This is the Macmillan Library Podcast, a community conversation maker, bringing you curated conversations with Macmillan librarians, community members, authors, musicians, artists, and more. Today, teen librarian Jenny Bonneman talks with local author Liesl Detlefsen. They talk about Liesl's children's book writing, publishing, and more. It's always great to hear how an author creates and imagines the words and worlds we love so much. Also, join us May 23rd at 6.30 p.m. here at Macmillan Library for Liesl Detlefsen's book launch party for her newest children's picture book, 123 Jump, coming out on May 13th. Liesl will read her new book and copies of 123 Jump, along with Liesl's other books, will be available for purchase. And now, Jenny and Liesl. Today I'm here with local children's author Liesl Detlefsen. We are gearing up for the book launch party for Liesl's newest children's book, 123 Jump, that will be held here at Macmillan Library on Thursday, May 23rd at 6.30. Liesl will read her new book and there will be copies available for purchase, along with fun activities for families to enjoy. And Liesl will also be teaching a couple of writing workshops for teens this summer at our library. So thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Liesl. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to celebrate the launch of the library. We've done some really wonderful events for books in the past. Absolutely. It's been really fun, and yeah. we're so happy to host them for you. you. So we're looking forward to this next one. So let's start with, if you could tell us about yourself, where you're from, where you grew up, and how you came to Wisconsin Rapids. Sure. So I grew up in Janesville, Wisconsin. Um, It's uh, a fairly good-sized city. It's definitely grown um, a little bit south of Madison. Okay. And I always wanted to write books for children. Before I could even hold a pen, my mother would write my stories for me. I'd dictate them to her, and she'd write them down. And then I'd That's illustrate awesome. them, and we have some some of those. And then um, in first grade, my teacher would leave out little booklets that we could do when we were done with our work. And my mother saved some of those, my first stories. And one of my favorite things to do when I visit schools is to bring those with and read those stories to the kids. And then they tell me what's wrong with them, which they think is that awesome. That is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> which they love to do, right? They really do. <laughs> and it is a great way to talk about, you know, plot development and characters. Because mm-hmm. it's easier to analyze a bad story than a good story. Mm-hmm. And then, it's, right. you know, it's fun for them to see. I was not born writing wonderful books. You mm-hmm. know, it, it took a lot of years mm-hmm. of practice and learning. Okay. Um, yeah. And then uh, my family is originally from Wisconsin Rapids, my parents. Oh, they are? Yep. Oh, nice. So my okay. grandfather was the band director at Lincoln High School for many, oh, many years. Cool. So you really have like a local connection. I do. Yeah. Yes. Nice. But I didn't anticipate living here as an adult. I, mm-hmm. I happened to find my husband, who's a fifth generation cranberry grower, and mm-hmm. and he he's the reason I'm here. But it's always, Wisconsin Rapids has always felt like um, a part of my home because of my grandparents. Great. Great. Okay. Thank you. Um, so you talked a little bit about this already. So tell us about your interest in writing and where that started. So maybe I don't know if you can elaborate on that a little bit more. Yeah, you know, I've I've had people ask me how I got interested in writing, and I don't even remember mm-hmm. because I think it was just a part of me. I've always loved telling stories, and you know, maybe my husband will tease me a little bit. Like, did did someone say that to you, or are you kind of <laughs> rewriting that story to make it funnier, better? Sure, and sure. well, you know, I mean, I'm just a storyteller by nature. 
And yeah, and then um, the writing I just always really loved. And my mother read so much to me Mm -hmm. um, when I was growing up, and that was Mm -hmm. a really important part of my childhood. And that's something I've really enjoyed sharing with my children now Mm -hmm. is the reading together. And no matter how busy my kids were when they were little and couldn't sit still and didn't love to color and were happier to bounce a ball than do anything else. But at nighttime, they loved that story time, and they would cuddle in, and we'd share books together. And it's a special time for a parent and a child. Absolutely. Yeah, very sweet. Okay, thank you. Um, So tell us about your experience with getting your first children's book published and where that journey took you. Yeah, that was a long journey. (laughs) Okay, so tell us about that. Yeah, yeah. Looking back, I really wonder if, if you had told me it would take that long what my reaction would have been. But um, I've heard this fairly typical. It took about 10 years to get the first book published. And the rough draft started as a photography project when I was still in college. Mm -hmm. And it was nonfiction and a very straightforward voice telling, you know, these are the steps of Cranberry Harvest. Mm -hmm. And I illustrated it with my own photographs. And I sent that out to publishers once I was finished with school and had graduated from UW-Madison with my art degree. And the reaction was positive to a degree, but no one was interested in actually publishing it. Um, So I had a long journey of rewriting and reworking that story. And uh, the published version is in first person, present tense, uh, with, you know, characters and families, and it's realistic fiction. But I tried this story, and I think every type of point of view and voice in between um, nonfiction, fiction, third person, first person, just... It took a long time to get that story quite right. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. to get your foot in the door of publishing is a challenge as well. Sure. Um, picture books, there are so many on the market. There are so many people who want to write picture books who think, well, picture books are short, so they must must be easier to write. Right. Which in right. some ways they're harder because you're trying to mm-hmm. condense a whole narrative into a 32 pages, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is a challenge. Um but then after I got that first book published, it's been easier to get more in the works. And I now work with a wonderful literary agent who has been instrumental in helping with the business part of writing so I can yeah. concentrate more on the writing part. That's great. Yeah. So when you were um, applying to publishers, yeah. so you set up like a letter and then you send them like a draft of the story or like what? Yep. how does that work? Well, so it's a little different now because okay. everything's electronic now mm-hmm. for the most part. But back, you know, 10 Plus years ago, when I was starting, I would trot down to the mailbox or uh, to the mailbox, but also the post office regularly. And uh, with the Cranberry Book in particular, I would mail off what's called a dummy, mm-hmm. which was uh, photocopies, so not original art, but photocopies of all the illustrations and the whole text kind of bound together. And that was expensive to be mailing off to publisher. And I would mm-hmm. include what's called a cover letter which was, you know, I was explaining my experience on the Cranberry Farm and who I was, my art experience, anything relevant, that I was a member of the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators, which mm-hmm. shows you're dedicated to to writing. Um, and then you'd mail that off, mm-hmm. and they'd have you include what was called an SASE, which is a self-addressed stamped envelope. And then you had to wait for them to mail something back to you, and that could take six, seven, eight, nine months, mm-hmm. which is such a long time to wait. It is a long time, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then uh, what they'd send back is a rejection letter. And if it was a really good day, you'd get a rejection letter that had your name on it, and you could tell someone actually read it. Read it? Okay. Yes. And then, yeah. you know, sometimes you get an envelope, and you, you can hold it up, and you can tell, like, the rejection oh. letter is photocopied on the thinnest weight 
paper possible and okay. it's dear author mm-hmm. you know it's it's like it's just like an automatic mm-hmm. rejection kind yeah. of thing yeah yeah which is always oh. was kind of heartbreaker oh. and yeah and that part gets easier the rejection part sure I, I think the more you write and the more you send your work out yeah. the more you realize how subjective it is mm-hmm. you know I don't love every book I've ever read mm-hmm. right exactly. so it helps you kind of overcome that part right. of it so how many publishers did you send um your first book to oh geez that's a good question like a rough estimate. Yeah, I'm. It's. I'm sure somewhere in the twenty to thirty really range. Twenty to thirty. Yeah, I'm wow. sure. Yeah, it was a lot. Quite a few. Yeah. Yeah. So you, know, you had mentioned that you, when you were first kind of trying to write the book, that you were taking your own photos and mm-hmm. trying to get it published that way. Were you submitting it to publishers, including like your photo illustrations as I, well? Yeah, okay. I was. And originally, that was my goal: is to do both the writing and the illustrating. Okay. Um, and I had these very beautiful black and white photographs that I'd hand colored. Mm-hmm. The problem with photographs is they date so quickly. Mm-hmm. Even mm-hmm. if you think what people have on is not of the time. Right. It's like timeless. Yes. Yeah. It's it just things date so quickly in photographs. Sure. And as I was working on the story, I discovered too that, you know, our harvesting process changed. Mm-hmm. So then I, to reshoot the whole thing and re-hand right. color it, and I had done all the work in the darkroom, it was a wow. huge undertaking. Wow, that's awesome, though. Yeah, yeah. and I, I really enjoyed doing that, but it, it just became clear to me it was not going to serve the story to be illustrated that way. Sure. So sure. somewhere in that journey, I switched to just sending off the writing part the of it. The writing part, okay. Yeah, and the, okay. the thing of, I think some people don't realize about publishing is unless you're a professional illustrator or trying to become one, they don't want you to send in art with with your work. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting kind of when I found that out, yeah. you know, because I guess if you're not familiar, you just think that yep, that's maybe what they're looking for. Right. You know, you right. get two, two in one, right? Yes, you yes. know, and but so it's really interesting to know that that they kind of assign their own person then yeah. for illustrations. Yes. Okay. And when um, when my editor who who purchased Time for Cranberries told me she wanted Jed Henry to illustrate the book, I was thrilled because mm-hmm. he had done a book called Pick a Pup that um, he'd illustrated that book that my children had loved. And that's super special. Yes. Like, yes. yeah, yeah. So I said, oh, the pick-a-pup guy? And my editor said, "I yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> sure, yeah. Yeah, that guy, yes. 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 Oh, so cool. I well, was very excited. That, yeah, that is awesome. Very cool. Um, okay, so we kind of answered that one. Um, so where where do you get your idea for your stories? So I know we kind of focused on your first book, Time mm-hmm. for Cranberries, but we can talk about like some of the other ones now. So where, where yeah. do you kind of get your ideas for or any other writing that you're doing? Where do you get your ideas for your stories? I get a lot of ideas from things that are just happening in my family, things that are happening with my children in particular. Um, the story of If You Had a Jetpack came from this actual library, which is really fun, that I was in the library looking for a book about jetpacks for my oldest son, who is very inventive and interested in engineering, and he wanted a book about jetpacks. And Miss Carrie in the library couldn't find him a book about jetpacks. And um, my son looked at me, and he said, well, you're a writer. You could just write <laughs> me one. And I thought, well, gosh, yeah, I should be able to do that. <laughs> And it started out as something fun I was doing for him, and I liked the book so much I kept working on it and changing it and mm-hmm. rearranging things. And that's the first book that my agent ever saw from me, and it's the first okay. book we sold together. So that was very exciting. Oh, that's great. And then yeah. um, the editor who worked on that book with me mm-hmm. bought another project this summer that's going to come out in 2020. So I'm happy that that relationship is continuing. 
Um, and then the book that's coming out in May, One, Two, Three, Jump, right. is yep. about swimming lessons. Mm-hmm. And that idea actually came from the editor. So that's the same editor I worked oh. with on Cranberries. Okay. And, Great. She, and she's an avid swimmer and wanted to see a book uh, about swimming lessons. And I was right in the throes of going through that process with my kids. They were My youngest was learning to swim. And I think if you've taken swim lessons yourself, there's certain memories you have associated with that, like the smell of the chlorine and that nervousness to jump in and, mm-hmm. you know, that feeling of, oh, I'm in the deep water now. And, right, right. You know, the sound of the filter can be kind of off-putting mm-hmm. and nerve-wracking and so thinking about those feelings and sensory experiences of swimming. Great. Okay. Thank you. Um, so kind of stepping back a little bit, because yeah. you talked about your agent again. So at what point and how did you get set up with an agent? So the um, the best advice I was given when I was starting out with writing was to join the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators, or okay. SCBWI. And they do a lot of... Um, craft workshops where you learn to write. You can make connections with editors and agents and things like that. And I met my agent through an SCBWI agent day workshop. Um, I had been looking for an agent, but it's tough to know what agents are going to be the right fit for your work. And I knew I wanted someone who would help guide my career, not just be interested in one story. And um, when I heard my agent speak at this workshop, I just really liked her approach. She was very smart, uh, but she was very straightforward, very businesslike, but you could also tell she was very kind, had a good sense of humor. And I just really liked all those qualities. And the agency she works with is a boutique agency, meaning they only do children's books, which that was important to me. Mm -hmm. They really value children's books enough that that was their sole focus. Um, So then I was... I had the opportunity to speak with her after the conference, and she invited me to submit something to her. And that was kind of a lengthy process, too, of her looking at lots of work from me and discussing the work together to see if we'd be a good fit. And then once she offered representation, so now the way we work together is I write things, um, usually show them to critique partners or other writing friends first, get some feedback, work on it again. And then I share that writing with her and get her opinion. And if she thinks it's ready to go, she comes up with a submission plan for who we're going to send it to and why, and always invites my feedback, but she's very good at this. And then she sends out the work to editors, and we get feedback back from them about, you know, whether they'd like to purchase it or not. Mm-hmm. And then it it's kind of goes from there, but it's really nice having someone help kind of steer the ship for where we're going with right. with my work. Absolutely. Yeah. So it was the Society of Children's Book Writers, writers and, and Illustrators. illustrators. Yeah. This is really where you got connected with her. Yes. So, and that's awesome. Yes. And it's also because of SCBWI, I met a group of other writers in a critique group mm-hmm. that have a writing retreat every spring. And that's okay. how I met my Time for Cranberries editor. Nice. So I owe a lot to SCBWI because they really helped me get my foot in the door in a lot of different ways. That's great. Yeah. So do, do, you, do you meet with a lot of those people or do you keep in touch with them to share writing ideas or do you have like a writing group that you yeah. kind of... Yeah. So I have... Um, I don't have a regular writing group okay. anymore, but I do mm-hmm. have several author friends who um, I trust highly with their opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, my friend Jamie Swenson, who's, who also writes picture books, yeah, yeah. Uh, we've co-taught classes together before, but we share work too, and she offers really insightful feedback. And, you know, the people I share my work with tend to have a skill that's different than mine. So Jamie in particular is really good at structure, mm-hmm. and she often can find something that isn't working, and I didn't see it because my brain is not is focused on the structure of writing in the way that hers is. Or sure. I have another friend who has really 
beautiful lyrical language in her writing, and mm-hmm. she it offers a different kind of feedback. But then I have a group that meets, they meet regularly down near Madison, and I get to join in about once a year, twice a year sometimes. Okay. And it's really valuable, not just from the standpoint of critiquing each other's work, but just from a supportive standpoint, mm-hmm. that there's, it's an odd job to be a writer. Sure. It's not a nine to five. A lot of people don't understand um, what it takes or how long it takes or, you know, what the different challenges are with it. And it's nice to be with like-minded people and just have that support. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. Um, Okay, so how often do you write? That's a good question, too. It really does depend on the week, at least every week, but I'm not an everyday writer. I know there are people who say you have to write something every day. Right, and that's Um, what I've heard other people say. Yeah, Yeah. that doesn't work for me, and I think it's because some days – we're tied up with things with the family or some days I'm presenting in a school mm-hmm. or some days I have to do, you know, the boring office work accounting things we all have to do as part of our job. Right. Um, but I feel like if I go too many days without writing, I do start to get crabby. <laughs> it's just <laughs> it's something I need. And I um, I try to do my writing um, I'll schedule at the beginning of the day because I find if I do the writing part first, it makes the other things feel sure. um I'm just happier to do the other tasks that are part of the job. Um, But there are days where I can get a full eight hours of writing and sometimes more. And then there are days where it's, you know, a 20-minute chunk here and a 10-minute chunk of time there. Mm -hmm. So it definitely depends on the day and the project, too. Sure. Yeah. So when it comes to the illustrations of your picture books, uh, tell us about your experience working with illustrators. I know we touched on that just a little bit. If you you could talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. So the exciting thing about picture books is that these illustrators carry half of the storytelling load. So it's, you know, a partnership between the words and then the pages and how they tell a story together. And I've been really fortunate to be paired with some really incredibly talented people. Um, And it's really fun always to get to see sketches come in. And every book's been a little bit different in terms of how the illustrator's been paired with the text. Um, With the first book, I got to see a lot of sketches uh, throughout just to make sure that they looked correct toward the Cranberry Marsh. And Jed Henry, who illustrated that book, did an amazing job of researching um, and looking at photographs and videos that I sent him, and I'm sure he used other resources as well. And he would send the work to our editor, and then she would pass on the work and ask questions. Um, And I would often see something and think, well, I think that's not quite right, but I'm not sure why, and then show it to my husband, who is a cranberry grower. And he would say, oh, yeah, the water needs to be more like this, or that truck has too many tires. Always little things. Jed did such a great job. Yeah. Yeah. But Rowing Brook Press, the publisher, was so committed to getting it really accurate, and Jed did such a great job of you know, making sure it all looked the way it should and looked like Wisconsin, where it's set. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the animals in there. Like, the, yes. the animals are represented, yes. you know, that, which is really fun. And that was yeah, absolutely him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He asked what animals we had on mm-hmm. the marsh, and that's not in the text anywhere. So that's right. what he brought. Yeah. yeah, which is super fun. Yeah. And then with um, If You Had a Jetpack, I never pictured the characters as anything but children. But the idea okay. came in, Lindsay does these um, fantastic animal um, characters, and I loved seeing these her idea of these little bunnies flying the jetpacks. Mm-hmm. So, um, and it has kind of this retro Richard Scary kind of feel yeah, to I it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Yes, and it's so bright and fun and colorful. Yes. Yeah. yeah, the palette's really nice, mm-hmm. and the illustrations are really dense, densely populated. Mm-hmm. So it's fun for kids to kind of follow different characters throughout mm-hmm. and um, her alien characters I find so charming and funny. and Super cute. Yeah, yeah, so she did an excellent job. 
And then uh, Renee Carilla did uh, right this very minute, and she had to do a lot of research, too, to make sure that all the agricultural components looked just right. And my favorite thing about what she did with that text is include every um, gender, ethnicity, age. I mean, she really did an amazing job of representing lots of different people throughout the story. Um, and I think that adds so much to kind of create this world that is representative of of the fact that, you know, there are different people involved in farming from different gender and different age and different ethnicity. Mm-hmm. And the book has that book has a beautiful palette as well. Um, and then uh, Madeline Valentine did my book that's about to come out about swimming lessons. And I enjoyed the sketches because they usually come in t- to me when I first see them as black and white sketches and they're sometimes pretty loose. And they, I loved her characters. It was harder to get a sense of what the full art would look like. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when the color art came in, I was just knocked out because sure. the way she did water is so beautiful. And water's tricky mm-hmm. to illustrate. Mm-hmm. Um, but she did such a great job, and I love that palette too. And that book is challenging in that the text doesn't name the characters. It's an unseen narrator, mm-hmm. kind of tongue-in-cheek guide to swimming lessons. Mm-hmm. And she managed to capture the nervous apprehension of this main character. And you just, even though you don't know her name and she doesn't talk in the story, you just you identify with this character and you just love her because of the way Madeline's portrayed her. Right. And right. so that was so much fun to see. Um, I think we got to see a character sketch of that character before anything else. Okay. I remember seeing her and thinking, that's her. Yeah. That's her. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I love part of what I loved about that book, too, is it's fun when um, the illustrations fill in the text a little bit, yes. you know, when the words aren't there. Yes. And um, you have to look at the picture to find out, um, um, you know, what is exactly going on. And, and that's definitely the – the, the main goal of writing a picture book is that you're leaving gaps for the illustrations to fill in. Right. Because it is telling half the story right. with the art. Yeah, yeah, and I love that. And then that makes you really kind of take a look at the illustrations. And it's just so fun that they work together that way. So, yeah, it's very cool. So who are some of your favorite um, children's authors? Oh, so, oh, that's a good one. Um, so many. And, I like, looking back at childhood, I loved James Marshall, who did George and Martha. Okay, yeah. And he did The Stupids books. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he has such a simple, deceptively simple illustration style with the way his, you know, it's amazing what he could portray on these giant hippo characters with just two dots and a line for facial expressions. And yet they can look sneaky. They can look surprised. They can look happy. They, can, I mean, he really was able to capture emotion. And he wrote friends, friendship so well in mm-hmm. in, James, um, in his uh, George and Martha books, the kind of give and take and the poking fun of each other and the support and love that's there, is just really charming and wonderful. Um, I love everything E. L. Konigsberg has ever written. Okay, sure. um, Claudia Kincaid is one of my favorite children's book characters of all time. I always cool. felt like if I was going to run away from home, I would too would go yes. to a museum. Oh, absolutely. And that is such fountain. an amazing book. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just, like what kid doesn't want to sleep over in a museum, right? right? Yeah. 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 And solve an art mystery. Yes. And the art mystery on yes. top of it. Yeah. Yes. And you so the fun. automat, which is something I've never done, but sounded so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, great. Great. Um, okay. So we talked a little bit about, so you mentioned your favorite children's book character. Do you have any other characters that you really loved or she's oh, kind of the, the big one? Lots. Um, I loved everything Lois Lowry ever, ever wrote. Okay. Um, loved Anastasia Krupnik, mm-hmm. loved Number of the Stars, mm-hmm. loved The Giver. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so I, 
actually, when we remodeled our the farmhouse we live in, um, we had to change the stairs that go up to the office space I have now. Mm-hmm. And there's 14 stairs. And I saw on Pinterest or um, somewhere online this concept of making the stairs look like book spines. Yes. So yes. I had to pick 14 of my favorite books. Awesome. And my family and I kind of developed this rule system where you couldn't have more than one stair per author. And okay. I had to pick books that were well, – I didn't have to. I chose to pick books yes. that were really important to me <laughs> that inspired my writing. Okay. Um, that inspired me as a person. Yeah. Um, so from the mix-up files of Mrs. Baisley, Frank Weller's on there, of cool. course. Yeah. Um, I have George and Martha on there that I mentioned. Cool. Charlotte's Web, which I think – And love Charlotte's yes, Web. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So good. Wilbur and – Yep. Yeah. Charlotte. Yeah. And, yeah. and I've yeah. seen a picture of these amazing stairs. Yeah. And yeah. totally jealous and, like, just so awesome. It's It just seems like such a cool way to lead up to your working space, which is really fun. It really does kind of center me on – on why I write because you can feel very isolated as yeah. a writer because you are working by yourself a great sure. deal of the time. You can also get too focused on how are how are book sales? Mm-hmm. Uh, is the book winning awards? How are the reviews? You can get so focused on the business part of things you forget the whole point of writing is to touch someone else's lives through mm-hmm. your words. And it's a good reminder of these books help shape me as a person. Mm-hmm. And that should be my goal is, is having my story matter to a child in a way that they carry with them for their Right, yeah. absolutely, definitely. So you talked a little bit about um, the stairs in the o- leading up to your office. So describe your office. Do you, do you have any, like, fun things in there to kind of inspire you? Or, like, what is your space like that you're working or that you're writing in? I'm really lucky. I have a really lovely writing space now um, where I have kind of an L-shaped drafting table uh, that I can stand or sit at because mm-hmm. sometimes I get fidgety from sitting to type. I have a wobble stool because, again, the fidgeting. that <laughs> makes things a little easier to sit and type. Um, has lots of nice natural light in there. It used to be an attic space that we've then converted into a, an insulated office space. Okay, nice. um, but I have a sink. Uh, my goal is to get back into painting with my art background. Very cool. And then um, one of my favorite parts is the door that goes from our bedroom to my office space mm-hmm. uh, was an old barn door uh, that we found on the Cranberry Marsh. Oh, wow. And the way it opens, it has this kind of sound. And when um, our carpenters were putting it in, they were so excited to show me because they thought I'd love the sound, which I do. Yeah, yeah. And um, the younger carpenter said to me, it's like a portal to Narnia. Totally. And it was so excited. Like what I was totally picturing yeah. in my head. Yeah. It's so like storybook. Just yes. that classic creaking yep. with the door sound. It's that a little too so short. Cool. So it just feels kind of yeah. mysterious. Yeah. And, oh, how cool. Yeah. Very neat. Um, so do you attend any literary conferences or events? Do you go to? I do. Stuff? Yeah. Um, the SCBWI that I mentioned mm-hmm. has a fall retreat every year. And I attended that religiously for many, many years. Mm -hmm. It's been a little trickier with um, books coming out and um, my family harvesting cranberries at that same time of year. So I haven't been able to go as as faithfully to that particular conference. But I also think it's really important to keep learning and growing as a writer. Um, So I've done a few different workshops. Last year I went to the Writing Barn in Austin, Texas, and did a novel writing workshop. Um, I've written one novel that... I really needed some help with um, novel writing is so different than picture book writing. And I really wanted to kind of help hone that craft. 
I went to a, an art workshop at the Highlights Foundation um, last spring, which was really a good experience, too, uh, led by some illustrators who I really admire, and they did such a wonderful job of helping get that excitement back about creating art. Um, and then I've, I also do conferences where I speak and give programs now that I have books out, mm-hmm. and that's yeah. a great opportunity to to present about your work to other people, to share your books that are coming out, right. to meet other writers. Right. Um, and when I do school visits, I, mm-hmm. of course, get to meet readers, too, which is mm-hmm. really an important part of, of the job as well. Right. Absolutely. Okay. So can you tell us um, about any uh, things that you have in the works, you know, any stories or books that you're kind of working on right now? That gets tougher to okay. talk about. Okay. Yeah, I do. I, I don't know if you can mention anything yet or, yeah. I'm always <laughs> very hesitant to share while things are still kind of in sure. that pipeline. Mm-hmm. But I do have um, I do have some books in production. As I'm waiting to see sketches for a couple different books that are slated to come out um, in 2020 and 2021. Okay. Um, so you'll have to stay That's tuned exciting. for that. It is yes, exciting. That's absolutely. Like the magic of getting, when you see this large email, Email file come in because it's usually in a PDF where you get to see all the sketches, and that first like tentative moment of opening the file and what's it going to look like? How did they interpret this page? Um, you know, how are they telling the story in terms of what text they're putting on what page? Because I often have a feel for how that will look, but that's that final decision is not mine. Mm-hmm. So it's exciting to see kind of you know where do they think a double spread should be versus um, you know text that's on single single pages. Um, so I, I think I'm due to get some sketches at the end of this month and then some more in May for a, a different book. So okay, great. That's exciting. Well, very exciting. Yeah. Well, we look forward to thank seeing uh, what books you have coming out in the future. Um, so thank you so much for your time today. We appreciate you being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. It's a pleasure always yeah, to be in the library. Yes, absolutely. And we are looking forward to your book release party, which again is on Thursday, May 23rd at 6.30. So we will see you then. That sounds great. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. We hope you use this information to strike up a local conversation. Check us out at macmillanlibrary.org to see upcoming events, including concerts, speakers, movies, and more. We also have free online classes through Gale courses, as well as a host of databases for your research needs. If you can't find what you're looking for, stop in at the information desk. The Macmillan Conversation Maker podcast can be found at macmillanlibrary.org backslash podcast.